and there are environmental things that are affecting children and their lives and their families and thus it impacts what happens in school. Welcome to another episode of the IRSD Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mall, and today we have two guests, uh, Belinda Wables, Director of Special Education for the Indian River School District, and Kim Taylor, the District Special Outreach Services Coordinator. Belinda, Kim, welcome to the Spotlight. Thank you. Thank you. Um, our topic today is going to be student mental health services, but before we get to that, Belinda, um, I'd like to... I'd like you to tell us a little bit about your career in education because you have a pretty diverse background as both a teacher and an administrator. Yes, I, I do. I began in the district as a special education teacher uh, with the Indian River School District in 1981. I taught students with severe to moderate disabilities from pre-K through 21. Um, I had the opportunity to work in the satellite classroom at North Georgetown and at the opportunity came for me to uh, become an assistant principal and I did that for seven years at North Georgetown Elementary. Left there and became a principal at Howard T. Ennis. Left Howard T. Ennis and became a principal at North Georgetown uh, and then had the opportunity to come to the district level uh, as a director of special services at the time yeah. and has since um, the title has changed to Director of Special Education. Now, Kim, you were a teacher and a school counselor in our district for many years. You retired and then came back as the uh, Special Outreach Services, or SOS as we call it, coordinator. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. I've been with the district for 37 years. I started in 1979 as a first grade teacher at Philip C. Shaw Elementary School. I loved what I did, as I said, for 14 years, gave it all I got. and. Uh, at that point was asked to be an Excel teacher. Um, thoroughly enjoyed the creativity that inspired me working with those students, working at higher levels, the divergent thinking that these students would bring to the table. Uh, so in those next four and a half years, I learned a lot from the students and realized uh, during that time that I was running at both ends. I was running Odyssey of the Mind teams, science and math, Olympiad teams, calculator fair teams, uh, maybe in the mid-year of, of that final year of teaching Excel, uh, Mr. Gary Brittingham came to me and asked if I wanted to become the school counselor at East Millsboro. At that point, from 1997 to my final year in 2009, I, I then became the school counselor at East Millsboro. A uh, whole different, whole different ball game, but thoroughly enjoyed that job. Well, what attracted you to school counseling uh, to begin with? As a first grade teacher, I saw students entering my classroom that had huge social and emotional needs. Uh, they came in with with things happening in their life that I couldn't even imagine happening at that young age, and I felt ill-equipped to deal with it. And I wanted to know the best way how to respond, how to help these children. That led me back to getting my master's in school counseling. Um, and when I received that master's, I started to use those skills in the classroom. When Mr. Brittingham asked me to become the school counselor, I realized that it's time to really put it to task. And 
I knew then that it was time to kind of fulfill that mission in my life. It was a real passion to help kids. And at that point, in taking that job, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to take on a challenge. One thing we were talking about before we started recording this is that Kim was actually a two-time Teacher of the Year. She was the Teacher of the Year at Philip Shaw Elementary, and a few years later, she was a Teacher of the Year at East Millsboro Elementary. So that's a pretty big, pretty big honor for any school teacher. Thank so. you. Thank you. Um, now, Belinda, what made you want to become a teacher, and I guess specifically a special education teacher? Um, when I was growing up, um, I grew up in a large family, and it was always me that wanted to play school. <laughs> so therefore, having younger brothers, I would be the teacher and they would be the students. And so therefore, uh, I've always kind of felt like teaching was something that I really enjoyed um, playing, and I wanted to become one for real. So when I began going to school, there were teachers along the way that inspired me from elementary through high school. And uh, I particularly became interested in special education when I went to the University of Delaware and took an exceptional children's course. And that really sparked my interest in special education and I began to focus more in that area. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that because my older sister became a school teacher um, and eventually became a school principal, but I was her student when we were kids, so I can, I can completely relate to that. <laughs> um, now, can you tell us about some of your, your current responsibilities as, as a director of special education for the district? Uh, yes, my uh, responsibilities uh, include such things as overseeing compliance monitoring in the district as well as transition and transition services or transition specialists for the district. I oversee uh, special education services provided, IDEA B and I, IDEA 611 funding. I co-coordinate uh, the consolidated application in the district. I'm also um, in charge of child fine and particularly special services in the district and that's where our program for the special outreach services uh, becomes a really big part of uh, what I oversee and am responsible for. Now, getting into that, um, now I understand that the need for uh, student mental health services has increased dramatically uh, during the last 10 years. Why is that? In looking at society and what's happening to families nowadays, we see how much that it impacts our students coming to school. We see an increase in discipline referrals. We see a uh, decrease in attendance. We see students' grades uh, possibly uh, being affected. We see that students perhaps may not be achieving as well as they should be. We see incidences of students having suicidal thoughts and sometimes bullying as well. And we look to see what is causing these things in our schools. And when we really study uh, and look at the whole child, we find out that there's more to it. And there are environmental things that are affecting children and their lives and their families. And thus it impacts what happens in school. Is that what you're seeing too, Kim? Well, Belinda pretty much covered it, <laughs> and I truly believe that the neurological development of students at a very young age is greatly impacted by 
the early trauma that many of our, our young children are dealing with. And as the brain forms, they learn coping mechanisms in dealing with it. And some students acquire better ones than others. And we have many, many students entering at a young age with serious social and emotional deficits or issues or problems. Um, I think it's due to the breakdown of the family unit, um, lack of, of support and modeling in the appropriate behaviors that are expected in school. So it's a culture shock when they come into a classroom that has structure and discipline. Which is something they're not getting at home. Or exactly. And I think that you know, teachers are having a culture shock too <laughs> yeah. because they have to learn ways of dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of environmental factors, as Belinda stated. So we have a lot of angry kids, kids that are physically and verbally aggressive. Uh, substance abuse issues, babies born with addiction to these substances greatly affects um, what we get in school. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of poverty and homelessness, um, not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring and how they're going to make, you know, get food on the table or, or pay the next bill. Divorce, grief, loss, yeah. changes in the family, fast pace of society. I just think that we just don't take the time anymore to sit down around the dinner table and to discuss the day. We don't have that connection that we used to have as family units. Yeah. Um, and then I think media, social media, and the effects of technology, cyberbullying, the things kids are up against today, they are not equipped to deal with these things. Mm-hmm. And the financial stress yeah. that families are under. I could go on and on yeah. on this question. And <laughs> yeah. I think all these things greatly impact the development, the early development of children, mm-hmm. and then it manifests into adolescence and then into you know, adult life into not healthy coping mechanisms and mental health services are needed to service these students. Well, in 2006, uh, Darlene St. Peter, who at the time was our supervisor of special education, uh, initiated the special outreach services program for students. And can you tell us about that program and basically the protocols that we follow to make mental health services available to our students? Absolutely. Uh, We have referrals coming to SOS from different sources, whether it be teachers, whether it be school counselors, administrators, parents. We have kind of an open door policy on receiving referrals. The referrals go to a gatekeeper that's in each school. The gatekeeper might be the school counselor or it might be the clinical counselor. Once that counselor either A, makes the referral or receives the referral, it then is a streamlined approach um, we've tried to make it very, very universal across the district and with trainings and things such as that early on, early in the year and teaching our staff how to make referrals and to follow through. Uh, once they receive that referral, that referral is then sent uh, to either agencies that we contract with or individual therapists. Um, we have a release of information that's signed. We have an information letter that the parents receive about the SOS program or about the therapist that will be doing the intake with their student. Um, And then therapy will proceed once every form is signed and consent is given. And that particular agency would correspond with whatever particular 
problem or issue that that child is having. So it won't be the same agency all the time. Yes, it's yeah. very goal-driven. Yeah. There are certain objectives that are put on the referral that we mm-hmm. want the therapist to meet. Mm-hmm. They meet weekly or bi-weekly with that therapist. In our district, uh, there's different avenues you can take, whether it be SOS, which is Special Outreach Services, which is contracted uh, therapists from the outside that come into our district that are district approved. Um, or we have BHCs, behavioral health consultants, two of which are at Selbyville Middle and Georgetown Middle School. We have three family crisis therapists, Long Neck, Georgetown Elementary, and East Millsboro. And then we have, in, in our district hired, which has been wonderful that the district has supported this under Belinda's leadership, very supportive. Uh, we have hired, employed Indian River School District clinical counselors. We have nine of those now hired in our district. Um, we have Georgetown, um, Ele- sorry, let me start over. We have George W. Carver. We have elementary schools that are all sharing these except for East Millsboro, Millsboro Middle School, Sussex Central High School, and Indian River High School all have district employed clinical counselors. So they can also see these students in the school. Uh, we also have a wellness um, center in both high schools, Sussex Central High School and also Indian River High School. So we have a total of 36 clinical counselors that our students in the district can access, whether it be people coming from the outside in or they're in our buildings. Uh, We recently went to a training and it said in that training that we would need 32 clinical counselors to meet the demand with the numbers we have in Indian River School District. And so we're above that number. We yeah. have 36. So yeah. we're proud of that. Yeah. And we're proud that we're forging forward and meeting mm-hmm. the demands of the district. Yeah, and there certainly is a, a structure in place there for those for those services. Now, how has how has the program evolved during the during the last 10 years? Well, there's there is a historical journey behind <laughs> all of this. And in 2006, uh, at that time, I was the counselor at East Millsboro Elementary School, and I had a therapist in the school two days a week because I was at, very frustrated with getting outside resources for my students and saw the huge need. So I connected with an outside therapist to come into the school, and I saw that this really worked. Darlene St. Peter connected with me, and she was bringing in psychological associates of Southern Delaware with Dr. Kennard. At that point, um, we just started moving forward, and we saw that we really needed to to expand this program. Uh, support services were going out now from you know all over the district with just psychological associates and with a therapist I had at East Millsboro. In 2011, after I came on board in 2010, uh, working with at-risk middle school and high school students, I worked with Darlene and and we expanded the SOS program. We brought in a center for mental wellness. It was a lot of trial and Mm -hmm. error and a lot of barriers, but it continued to grow through 2012. It was an evolving process. We had new beginnings occur when Belinda came on board. Uh, Belinda Waples began, became the Director of Special Services and she strongly supported what we already had in place. But she saw the need and she, whatever I went to her about, she would listen and she would 
support and we pursued more contractual therapists for SOS. Um, in 2013 and 2014, we had continued growth in our mental health needs. And that's when we began to collaborate with the Sussex County Health Coalition, who greatly supported what we were trying to do. So mm -hmm. after that, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually my next question. What is the Sussex County Behavioral Health Coalition, and what are its benefits? Well, it's a, it's a basically, it's a small group of people under the, under the leadership of Peggy Geisler, who truly have been a catalyst for change, and they're moving and shaking. It's a, it's a huge umbrella. The Sussex County Health Coalition is an umbrella of different committees. Under the umbrella, there is the Health Committee, the Youth Engagement Serving Committee, the Early Learning Action Team, the Behavioral Health Task Group, and Sussex Success. They're doing a lot, but we are under the Behavioral Health Task Group. And that Behavioral Health Task Group is basically trying to give more access and services and resources for behavioral health needs and mental health. And that's not just schools, correct? It's the entire Sussex, uh, Sussex County. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because there's such a need for improved mental health and mm -hmm. physical health mm -hmm. in Sussex County. So mm -hmm. this coalition is doing everything they can do to truly uh, make this a more healthy county, looking at it holistically. Um, now, Belinda, I understand that Indian River was one of the first Sussex County school districts to implement um, I guess such a, a far-reaching mental health services program. In your opinion, how effective has it been since it's been in place? It has been very, very effective uh, since being in place because based upon uh, the data that we've been able to collect uh, within our own district this year in particular uh, with our gatekeepers being our school counselors, we uh, have a program that Mike Lee was very instrumental in helping us with where we can collect data to look throughout the year of the number of referrals, the schools in which uh, the referrals are coming through. Uh, we can look at the grade, we can look at the age. Um, we actually can look at the reasons for the referrals. And based on this piece of uh, software that we use to collect the data in this program, we can actually look quarterly to see where our needs are and we can implement services based on the needs. We've also been able to um, address some needs through our behavior health consultants, as Kim mentioned before, our licensed clinical social workers, our Indian River School District clinical counselors, our family crisis therapists, our wellness center, our SOS contractual counselors. So I feel that um, it has been a very effective program and we look forward to uh, some um, opportunities for growth in the fruit in the future for the program. So there is, you could there is data mechanisms in place where you can actually see the results, basically. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Um, now, in looking toward the future, uh, do you believe that there will continue to be a high demand for student mental health services moving forward? Absolutely, based on the data that we are able to obtain through the Sussex Health Coalition with Dr. Rob Smith, who is our consultant that guides us through the process. Uh, he has a formula that he has utilized, and in that formula he looks at 
determining uh, the needs and also for looking at the capacity. And through that formula, um, and what we're able to see is for the next five years, uh, the needs will continue to grow based upon what he has been able to uh, determine through this formula that he uses when looking at various school districts. And he has looked at all of the Sussex County school districts to uh, determine the needs and the needs for the future for our students. So I guess that's going to keep you pretty busy, Kim, for, <laughs> for a while. It really is, and I, you know, I agree totally with what Belinda said. And um, we've been very fortunate to have, you know, the Sussex County Coalition Health Coalition help us and give us great support and training and resources. And in learning from them and trying to implement what they're teaching us, it definitely helps us in formulating not only data collection tools, but also it opens our horizons for the future. And at this point, if you just look at a little piece of the data, April of 2015, we were servicing 475 students in Indian River School District with mental health needs. Um, but April of 2016, we're now up to 894. Wow. So if you look at 475, to 894 in one year. That's a huge increase. And yeah. so if we just yeah. look at that piece right there without looking at all the other data, mm -hmm. it, it definitely supports that we are going to need further services. Um, and you look when you look at our data that we've collected, it seems that when they hit about middle school and high school, there's it's just spiking. Mm -hmm. And so the adolescent need uh, is very prevalent. We're having many elementary students enter, as I said earlier, with great issues, and we're trying to do early intervention and prevention. Um, so we have a lot of team goals in our uh, accomplishments that, sheets that we've tried to put together, but goals going forward will be vast, but we hope for improvement and keeping the integrity of the program, the quality of the program to the highest level. Uh, we want quality staff on board. Uh, we want to really meet the needs of our families, and we want that family piece to be targeted. Uh, we're talking about putting resources at George W. Carver in the front of the building. We're looking at um, maybe bringing in some mindfulness training to help our students with stress and anxiety and depression and many other issues. Uh, we want consistency across the district because we want all our schools to tap into what we have to offer. We want this, we also want to come up with a comprehensive district-wide abuse, per, you know, substance abuse prevention program because we know the heroin epidemic is huge and if this can come under our umbrella, our clinical counselors really want to work in the future toward meeting those needs also. So we have a great team, I just want to end on this, we have a great team of clinical counselors <coughs> that work under Belinda's leadership that have really made all this happen. It's not just Belinda and I, it's this team. Mm -hmm. And we brainstorm and we come up with great ideas. And so in moving forward, I look forward to working with the team. Well, it certainly is a far-reaching program. I know these are great services you're providing. Uh, we're just about out of time for this episode. I really want to thank both of you for being here today and telling us about that. Now, but before we sign off, I do have to share the news that next month, Belinda is going to be retiring after 35 years of service to the Indian River School District. And I just wanted to tell 
want to say congratulations, and I know that I speak for everyone when I wish you the best of luck in the future, Belinda. Thank you so much, Dave. It's been a privilege and an honor to work in this school district and with such a great team of people, and it certainly uh, gives me, um, like I said, a great um, opportunity to have contributed through the years uh, in doing and knowing that our students will be better for the work that has been done and that will continue to be done in the Indian River School mm -hmm. District. Well, we're all going to miss you here at District Office, Belinda. <laughs> Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of IRSD Spotlight. New podcasts will be posted periodically throughout the school year. IRSD Spotlight can be accessed through iTunes or by visiting irsd.net and going to the podcast link under the Discover IRSD tab. It is also available through several mobile podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with more great news and information from the Indian River School District. Until then, remember that Indian River truly is a model of excellence.